welcome back to When Two or More with the McCaws. Today, unfortunately, I'm on my own, but it's a blessing to still be here, to still be communicating what we are today. I'm really excited because the subject that we're talking about today is adoption. Um, and so well, I've got a very special guest to, for today, uh, which I hope you're excited about because I am. And if nobody watches this, I'm here, I'm, I'm listening. Um, and I've heard the, the person I'm about to interview's story previously, but I'm really excited. Seven years since I last heard this story. Um, I'm excited to hear it again, and I hope you are too. Um, just before we get into it, um, there's ways you can support this podcast, which would be fantastic. I'm going to put a link down below. Nanny and I have got a process in which we call, uh, it's basically a, a buy a coffee process. You may have seen it before. Um, it's just a way in which that you can financially support the work of the podcast, if that's something you would like to consider. If not, there's obviously no obligation to do that. Um, but what we would like is that uh, as many people get to hear this message that Russ is, bring, Russ is bringing us to today. Um, so what you can do to help that is by rating this podcast on the platform that you are listening to it on. So whether that's Apple Podcasts, hit the stars, uh, YouTube, subscribe, put a thumbs up if you're watching. That would be absolutely fantastic if you could do that. That just makes sure that we get this message out to people, especially now in today's society, podcasts, YouTube, it's full of a lot of stuff that doesn't give us life. I heavily uh, believe, wholeheartedly believe that the message that we're going to hear today is going to give life. And it's really going to inspire some of you listening, inspire some of you watching, um, going to give you some great ideas, but also to open up, maybe broaden your landscapes when it comes to broaden your horizons when it comes to um, the idea of adoption, even if you've never considered it before. I'm hoping that that we will really be engaged today by what Rush has got to bring. He's got a fantastic story. I'm really excited to hear it. So let's let's bring in Rush. Rush, how you doing, mate? You okay? Hey, brother. Yeah, I'm doing great. Good to see you, Stuart. Yeah, yeah great to see you. I know. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. awesome. So when when I mentioned to a few people that this is what we were going to do, people said to me, "So how 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 do you know?" So effectively, Rush. I want you just to, how do you know each other? That was the question I got. Rush, I want you to explain how you and I know each other. So, yeah, I guess, I think you mentioned, I think, I guess it's been like seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Um, my, my local church here in Richmond, Virginia, went on a missions trip to Bolivia and partnered with YWAM. And I, I'm still not 100% sure if I can remember your connection to what you were doing exactly with YWAM or how we got how we got mixed up there together. But we both basically both ended up in Bolivia at the same time, working together on a missions uh, project. And um, the project itself is crazy. It's a crazy story itself. What we did while we were there, but we were also working with vulnerable kids, um, kids that were living in poverty and uh, really difficult life. And uh, but. You and I just hit it off immediately, brother. I mean, it was like uh, like a couple of long lost brothers from across uh, across the ocean. So Absolutely. we had a good time there together. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But no, that's fantastic. Uh, we did have, I think, how long were you there for as a church? Was it a week or was it two weeks? It was just a week. Yeah. We, no, we were there for just a week. You were there much longer, I think, than us. So. Yeah. We were in Bolivia for two weeks, I think. 
Um, but it was part of the longer trip that we had, just the outreach right. when it came to DTS. But it worked nicely, yeah, and it went really yeah. well. And as you just you just touched around, like we got on, didn't we? Really, really well. Yeah, um, yeah. Had a great time, and and we might as well talk about that now. Like, what was it? Share the task. So we went <laughs> to Bolivia. We were in Santa Cruz, Bolivia. We were working with a an organisation called Operation Restoration. Yep. And their, their kind of goal is to bring people off the street and be able to provide a place for them to stay, get education, really the upbringing that they would have. Otherwise, they're kind of destined for a life of being out on the streets and and growing up that way and getting into some pretty nasty business. So really, Operation Restoration gives them a hope. We were given this strange, <laughs> strange yeah. task to do yeah. in, in this house. Rush, tell us about what, what we so, did. Yeah, so obviously Operation Restoration is definitely worth checking out. Fabulous uh, organization, just a pleasure to work with. But yeah, we had, like I never would have expected when we went to our first little briefing before Stuart and I went to our assigned task, I never would have guessed this on a missions field, but we were tasked with basically destroying an in-ground pool that existed on one of their properties. And <laughs> And filling that in-ground pool with rock and stone. And basically they wanted to convert it to a patio. So we we went to one of the most impoverished nations uh, in South America and uh, and destroyed a pool and which, converted which sounds, that thing into a it sounds horrible. <laughs> it sounds it terrible, sounds, doesn't it? Um, and it was like but, it was it was a bunch of like um like you know, close to like col- I would say college age boys living in this home. Yes. Um, who had access to a swimming pool, yes. uh, but uh, we we uh, we did what they asked us to do. They wanted to convert it to a patio, and I've seen pictures of it since. So it looks like they're using it well. But uh, I guess the pool was too much maintenance or something. But it did feel odd to destroy yeah. this one item, the yes. one item of luxury we saw. <laughs> we, just, we we destroyed it. Yeah, and it was a difficult so, task as well, wasn't it? It was. Yes, like, yes. We, had, we, had, we, had, like, we had like sledgehammers and yeah, hammers. it was it was not fun. Because it's not like you picture a pole being level with the, the patio, don't you? But right. it came yeah, up, yeah. didn't it? It came yeah. up by a couple yeah. of a good couple of inches. Like it had yeah. this wall that came name around came around it. Um, and if you I'm, remember, Stuart, if you remember, we started off, it was okay, like the first few sledgehammer we were doing okay. And then we hit the rebar. You remember? Yeah. And like it was just it was it was, it was a mess. And throughout it, didn't it? Yeah, it was it was a mess. Like, so the, it was good. We laughed a lot, but that was just to get through yeah the, uh, the experience yeah. of, of emotionally yeah yeah <laughs> emotionally i don't know if i've recovered yet but um, <laughs> but no that was a, that was a quality experience yeah. um but it was a it was a, a combination mix i know that I, well i was on i was on dts at the time with ywam and that was part of my outreach so obviously the ywam base have links with um the west assembly um assembly of god your church um and so that must have linked alongside but it worked really well didn't it yeah. like it was a short term yeah. mission um for you guys slightly longer for us but uh yeah it was it was the str- i was out of all i was in brazil doing building work you know you can see how building work right benefit them um <laughs> what else did we do we did uh, you know we were in richmond doing uh, like ministry basketball along the kids of church church hill i think it is mm-hmm. you know some fantastic work that was going on there giving but then to go to bolivia and to be taking away <laughs> yes <laughs> but they they were thrilled i know uh, i yeah. i know that uh, operation restoration they got what they wanted and i think that the patio has been more beneficial to their ministry yes. than that yeah. than that beautiful swimming pool was but <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, no, the the, the longer term gain is just yeah, no doubt. Provide, provide them more space, wasn't yeah. it? In the long yeah, run. brilliant. So, Rush, will you just share how you? Let's start with first how you became a Christian. Let's walk along that that path. Okay. Here. Yeah, I mean, I um, I don't have a uh, a really unique story, and I'm I very um, a long history in terms of my family. I so you mentioned my church, my church here in Richmond, Virginia, Western Assembly of God. My my, uh, they've been around now for like 54 years, I think. And uh, my mother was one of the founding members of that church, along with my uh, maternal uh, grandparent, uh, grandmother, and my pater- and my paternal grandparents were also all part of this church when it first started meeting in a hotel room here in Richmond, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so I've been a part of that legacy kind of from the beginning. So I grew up uh, in the church and uh, grew up, I mean, I've been in the same church my entire life. So I have a kind of a, a long standing history with that. I uh, was involved in a lot of the kids programs and had a lot of great leaders and mentors through, through, through my upbringing that uh, just provided a strong you know, Christian foundation uh, that I've been able to carry through. Yeah, excellent. And was there a time that you kind of walked away from your faith or do you think it's, you kind of, you've got a very, uh, 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 yeah. I, I think, you know, I, I think, it's unusual for people to not have, have ups and downs, whether that's uh, relationships, whether that's their, their relationship, like, you know, here on earth or with God. I think that mm-hmm. um, as you go through different phases of life, maybe, uh, maybe you drift away or come back. Um, no, I've never walked away from the faith or anything like that, but I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, there's obviously been, you know, I'm 43 now, so I've had, you know, uh, times in my life where probably I haven't been as close to the Lord as I would have wanted or what he would have wanted. But I think the foundation that was laid and, and, and my family that I'm around uh, has always helped keep me grounded uh, in terms of just uh, uh, keeping, keeping uh, God and my relationship with Jesus at, at at the center of what we're trying to do. We're not perfect at that. Nobody is, you know, I I think Mm. every Christian uh, if they're being honest about it, 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 there's, there's just struggles in life, you know? And so um, it's, it's easy to, to just to fall into the ways of the world and, and get yeah. get discouraged. Uh, but I, yeah. I feel like I've been been incredibly blessed by a lot of things and, and having a good support network, having a, a strong uh, sense of, uh, of people who have been, who've gone taken the steps before me to kind of lay the groundwork for me that have kept me grounded in my faith and, and kept me close to God. That's fantastic. No, that's, yeah. that's absolutely brilliant. So let's talk about family, family life then. Cause, yes. uh, cause I think, you know, when I, I kind of, when I thought about people to bring on people that were real examples of living out their faith in their day to day, you were genuinely one of the first people I thought about. Thank you. And I mean that because, because I think when you think about a podcast, you always think about somebody with a platform that's got, got the kind of viewership that's got this, but actually I see so many people that kind of go under the radar. They do the behind the scenes work. And actually, if you if you take that kind of analogy of a show or a performance, we always do focus on the person that's on the stage, and we don't realise that actually this doesn't happen without the people behind behind the the show that puts this on. And so, I've always had a kind of a heart, really, to try and recognise those people that work as hard, if not harder, than the people around the right. clock doing this. And so, we'll, we'll come to learn why, and I'm sure many people will understand very quickly why. But I just hearing your story first off I just gained you know seven years ago I gained such a respect for what you were doing and I was like wow because 
that a lot of people we put them on a pedestal for like for the smallest reasons right and so from my from my point of view people like you are people like uh, that I really kind of respect value want to like learn a lot from you. you're a huge example for me and what you've done in your life and so we're going to now hear about I want to want to kind of yeah just first take the moment just to honor your rush because you've 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 blessed me and to think about I heard a story from a week ago from a week with you really yeah. and then we, obviously we met a few times when I was back in Richmond but like that week meant that seven years ago that's the uh, kind of the um the legacy you left with me and I want to wow. just I want people to to know that I want I want you to feel feel that you're making a difference in your in in your life to to you're part of my testimony and to my right. life and really inspired me in this area and that's the reason I've got you on brush I don't want to well, hide you. away from that um and so I think your story can really uh show other people and be an example to other people and when I think about kind of adoption I think about when I think about people that have got a heart for doing something and I've just not just gone well I've got a passion for doing this and stuck at it for a couple of a couple of years but I've followed it through that is it a part of who they are I can't think of anyone better rush so well, so thank bless you man you. um yeah. I really I appreciate I really appreciate that Stuart it means a lot thank you bro yeah. thank you um run us through your kind of family life like up okay. to this big moment that we're talking about today run us through where where you got to there yeah, so um, uh, uh, my wife and I um, had got married uh, a long time ago. Now it's uh, it still is hard for me to believe uh, uh, we were we graduated from college. To get, went to college together, same school uh, here yeah. in Virginia, uh, in the U.S., and then um, got married right out, right out of college. Basically, we finished uh, school and got married right thereafter, back in two thousand and one, and um, just started our family. Like, and at the time, we were just uh, chugging along. I would say we were very uh, we were, she, you know, she came from a, a Christian home too, strong Christian background and grew up in the mm -hmm. church. So that was always part of our, our story and what our plans were for our hopes to eventually have a family. And, um, as we, as we, uh, started to kind of like, you know, go through those first steps of being married and getting an apartment and getting, and getting mm -hmm. settled in jobs. And uh, mm -hmm. my wife was pursuing, uh, an advanced degree in nursing. So we were just kind of like going through life and, and really, um, Things were going were going well. Like we we had uh, two biological kids within the first uh, several years of us being married. We got my wife got pregnant. We had a son, and a few years later we had a daughter. And uh, so life was good. They were both healthy, beautiful kids, uh, a boy and a girl. We would, uh, you know, I would say that kind of like the American dream situation. It was just you know yeah, we had great yeah. great healthy kids. Uh, yeah. We had uh, a nice little home that we had bought our first home, and mm -hmm. we're really just chugging along like in the. Christian American system, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yes. uh, yeah. you know, and, and so it wasn't that we, uh, it wasn't that we were like, um, had some, you know, had, had an idea that, uh, our faith wasn't real or anything, but it just was just, we were just going through, we were just going through like the motions we'd always had gone through and got very comfortable mm -hmm. in our life and with this, with the family that we had. And uh, everything was going great. Um, mm. We had no, we had no real, no real complaints. And at the time, yeah. I mean, um, as my wife and I dated and, and started have, started having children, we never really had like conversations about having a big family. We'll get to that eventually. How, my family is bigger than it was 
uh, yes. a few years ago. But yeah. you know, we 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 were. I I think in my mind, at least, I won't speak for my wife right now. But like, I think in my mind, I mean, I thought two kids. That's what we would have. We'd have two kids and <laughs> have a nice, successful life, have a beautiful mm. house, and yeah. go on vacations and uh, retire fat and happy, and and go to church. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. and and kind of live out that American dream. Um, with the with a little bit of, of Christianity sprinkled in, you know. Of course, of course, of course. No, that that's really that's really interesting. How many? How often do you see that? Do you think like people get uh, get married, uh, get have have kids, one or two kids, and and sit back and kind of yeah, take that, take that yeah. kind of. How often do you see that? Do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's. I think that's normal, right? I mean, yeah. I think that's kind yeah. of like. Um, uh, you know, it's even if you have a heart for trying to do hard things, uh, yeah. you know, comfort is just it, 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 there's nothing wrong with comfort either. Like, I mean, it's yeah. OK to be comfortable. It's OK to enjoy life and enjoy experiences and and enjoy things with your wife or your kids and go on trips. It's, I think all that stuff is great. And it shouldn't yeah. we shouldn't um, we shouldn't discourage people from in, from from no. doing those things. No, but I do think it is easy to just kind of get into that. Uh, routine of like, man, I really would like to do X, but if I did that, it's going to be a lot harder to kind of get to get. I got to I got to finish making these car payments, or you know, we've blown up the credit card shopping, you know, and we we can't we can't really take that leap of faith to do anything because we're kind of locked into this system that we've got established into. And I think that's yeah. I think it's normal. I think that's what yeah. a lot. I mean, I can speak for the American church. Mm. Um, I mean, the cultural Christianity, the the American church really struggles with consumerism. Um, and, and just getting, you know, to the point, like, it's all about, you know, me, uh, my, even, even when it comes to like our Christianity, we can just kind of like, look, it's all about me getting fed. I want to be fed. I want to be fed. What, yeah. what is this church doing for me? What yeah. are, what is this ministry giving to me? Uh, yeah. and, um, uh, I think it's hard not to, 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 to stay there, to fall into that kind of way of thinking. It's just, I think it's the natural human response. Yeah. No, no that's interesting. What would you say to somebody? that feels like that, that could easily drop into that, but also wants to serve God passionately with their life, what would you advise or how would you, because you've gone through this, you've been at that mm -hmm. point where you've gone, you know, and obviously we're going to go into this, but we've been at a point where you could have sat there and stayed there and, and basically that American dream could have just got bigger and better for you. Right. But you didn't. So something, a calling or, you know, so... So what would you advise to somebody or what? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think what I would say is just get yourself around people that are taking risk um, for the kingdom of God. Take, get yeah. yourself around people that are, have a different way of thinking. Um, mm. Because I think if you're just around people that are just in that consumerism, comfortable Christianity mindset, it's, it's going to be much easier just to be like, look, everybody is doing that. Um, yes. and, but if you start, if you, and I'm not saying like, you got to like go, you know, start begging to hang out with people who are doing, you know, just radical things, but just, yeah. just start, even, even if it just starts with like reading some books by people who maybe are, are pushing the limits of, of their, yeah. of their faith and yeah. taking steps and just uh, getting exposed to some things that other people may be doing. And, and that can even be like listening to a podcast, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. finding out like, what's that, what's happening. I mean, our, mm -hmm. our call to get involved in adoption and, and expand our family wasn't like, I mean, uh, I wasn't like walking, down the Damascus road, you know, and this mm -hmm. light came upon me and said, Hey, you shall adopt or care about vulnerable kids. Uh, it just, it really came from a really basic, simple relationship 
primarily that my wife had with a coworker and that coworker that she worked with, who's a Christian had adopted. Uh, and it, it sparked something in both of us individually. And that's what led to this. So it wasn't like, it wasn't, um, we can overcomplicate it. You know what I mean? We can make it feel like we have to wait for God to, to do something just that's going to be so clear. There's no yeah. question, you know, like a light shining from heaven on us. Like it doesn't have to be that it can be really small. I think interpersonal interactions with people. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> you felt like you felt, how long did that process go on for that? You were maybe swaying with that kind of decision. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, so like I said, this this woman who my who my wife worked with was really kind of the 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 person that we I'd first ever been around anyone uh, personally yeah. who I known who had adopted uh, specifically internationally mm-hmm. as well. This this family had adopted from China, and um, so I think it took it took a while. I mean, it was probably was you know bubbling in our heads for a couple of years before we really were actually taking like real action steps, and it wasn't. Um, and, and my wife and I didn't like sit down immediately once we met this little girl who they had adopted and said, look, we got to do this, man. Um, we, we really didn't talk about it with each other at first. Like it was kind of like, I think we both were almost nervous about bringing it up mm. because we did have kind of like, wait, we got two healthy kids. Like what, 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 what is this? Like, is this really something we would really want to do? Um, and it was, it was, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, I, I want to explore that because there's going to be so many people. I did a poll earlier, actually, on um, on my on my Instagram and I put, you know, would you adopt? Basically, I asked, the, you know, asked the question, um, mm-hmm. which I think is an interesting question. Would you adopt? Eighty eight percent of people said yes. Twelve percent obviously said no. Um, would you, And then the second question, would you adopt knowing you could have your own kids? That's a different kind of perspective, isn't it? Again, 85 percent. Yes. Fifteen percent. No. And uh, if you did um, respond on that, I really appreciate your honesty either way. Um, <clears throat> when you've got all this kind of what it's, it's, it's so interesting from your perspective, because you've got, as you say, you've got two healthy kids. You've got everything on paper that we've been told we should get. And then how do how do we battle with that kind of selfishness to to go forward and broaden the household? Yeah. Um you know, again, Stuart, I don't, I don't know if there's like a, a, a simple, you know, one, two, three step that I can give you to, to, to get there. I think it is, um, again, being patient with yourself, being patient with God to like wait for the right moments for um, when you, when these seeds get planted in you uh, to, to just to, to give them light and water, you know what I mean? To, to, to continue to expose yourself to the things that can help that seed grow through, through, uh, through scripture, through relationships, through conversations. But what, you know, we, we really, um, we really didn't, you know, my wife, like I said, my wife and I didn't really sit down and have like this deep conversation about it before one, I can tell you the story of like exactly how my wife and I kind of got to the point where we started actually taking action steps. Is we yeah. were, we were painting our dining room in our old house. So this is no, again, this is no dramatic event. We yeah. were painting our dining room and, um, this has been just in like kind of just kind of eating at me for a while. Like, man, I really kind of am feeling like maybe we should, maybe we should pursue adoption. And so I just randomly said to my wife, her name is Jennifer. I said, you know, Jen, like, mm-hmm. I'm, how, how would you feel about adopting? 
And uh, her response was, she was just like, oh my gosh, I, I can't, I can't believe that you're, you're saying this. I, I've been thinking this, but I was so nervous to, or worried about bringing it up because I just thought for sure you would just be like, no, I'm not interested in that. We got two healthy kids. And so God was working on us individually. Wow. Uh, and, and I think that's another important thing is just like knowing if you have, if you do have a partner and you're trying to like navigate something this complex, like mm. you don't all have to be on the same page at the exact same moment. So like my wife may have been, you know, a few chapters ahead of me in this process, you know what I mean? Um, but when the time was right and it did come to a fruition, we started talking about it. We both were just, God had worked on us at different points and got us to the same point, basically like, okay, look, this is, this is something we want to pursue. And we didn't have any idea what we were doing, Stuart. Like we, yeah. all, all we knew is that we felt this call for some reason that, yes. that we felt this pull into adoption. And yeah. uh, I mean, obviously that's, been, that's been a long time ago uh, now. Uh, and a lot, a long, a lot of years have passed and we've learned a lot and have grown a lot and uh, maybe made a lot of mistakes along the way, even through the adoption process and stuff. But yeah, but that was really kind of just how God worked with us individually to get us there, to get us to the same page. That's amazing. That's amazing. I love um, the the clear kind of emotional memory that you still have yeah. of, of painting the, the whole. It's yeah. like fantastic that you. Yeah, it's, it's the same. It's the same emotional impact that your story had on me the very first time you told me. Um, it's yeah. you never forget that sort of stuff. You never you hold on to the stuff that shakes us emotionally, don't we? Yeah, um, yeah, and it was because it was risky. You know, it was risky for me to say it. And it yeah. was, it was, you know, and, and my wife's response, like we didn't, like we didn't know how it was, how that conversation was going to go, or, yeah. or what the other person was going to think, or if, you know, if you've been kind of weighing something, and something's been on your heart for, you know, months or years, and you've, you're worried, like what, what if my partner, what if the other person I'm trying to work with just shuts it down immediately, you know? Yeah. Then I'm like, well, God, what, what, what is the point of this? Like, what, what is going on? Yeah. Luckily, we, we did that process individually, and, and once we started, we were, we were, you know working together hand in hand on it so so run us through then the process from the 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 confirmation that you had in as a couple as a married couple to say yeah right. we want to take this forward what were the next process like how did you go about the process either? yeah so this this would have been back um probably like 2008 i guess is when so this been mm -hmm. it's been a while since this since we started this mm -hmm. and a lot of it um if you've ever done anything internationally, you know, where you're getting visas. I know you have some experience with like dealing with some of this stuff too, like dealing yeah. with visas and fingerprinting. And, um, you know, we were dealing with the United States government and dealing with the Chinese government to try to, uh, to get over there to get my daughter. So it was a long process. Um, mm -hmm. when we first started, we, like I told you a minute ago, we didn't really know like what we, we didn't know uh, mm -hmm. anything. Um, we were very, very uh, new in terms of like just trying to gather information about adoption. So we, once we started, we first were like, okay, we wanted we wanted to adopt a little girl. That was our that was our desire, and we uh, at first like you have options. You could like, I mean, it, it sounds kind of weird, but you you have options. Like, okay, like you know what what kind of um, child do you want? You know, how old, what gender, and that kind of thing. And so we had just started off like, hey, look, let's just try to get a healthy little girl. You know, that's the, mm -hmm. that we wanted. We wanted to add another. We um, add another girl to our family, and that was how, how we started off. And then as we kind of started going into it, we started learning more and more about just what was going on across the world with uh, the orphan crisis, with vulnerable kids and specifically in China. And right. so we just started saying like, man, maybe we should open ourselves up to, you know, some special needs and being a little more open. And uh, so that's actually sped the process up because we were more open to mm -hmm. more kids. 
Um, But it still was about like, it was like a two, you know, two plus year process and lots of paperwork, lots of repeated government office buildings. And, you know, just, it it was not, it was not an easy process uh, to go through. I've tried to like actually memory hole a lot of it. Yeah. (laughs) It was was a pain. It was a real pain. Yeah. Yeah. I share that feeling with the visa yeah. process. Um, <clears throat> when when did China come into it, Rush? In terms of when did we decide that we wanted yeah, to pursue China? because a lot of people would – you've got to a place now where you've made this big yeah. decision to say, let's adopt. Why internet, Why make it more complicated for yourselves? <laughs> right. Yeah, and yeah. I, I don't th- – yeah, I think um, – I go back to that relationship my wife had. I think that just for some reason that sparked something else, that they had gone through that. And uh, I, I had told my wife when I first brought it up, I just – in my mind, my daughter, when I envisioned my daughter, she yeah. was Chinese. And right. I, I, again, I think, you know, um, as we've worked through uh, this over the past, you know, 10, 10, 12 years, we've been doing this. Uh, you know, we've learned so many different avenues, whether it be international, domestic, you know, working in the American foster care system. There's so many avenues to, to, ac- to, to get access to, like, try to serve families, children that are in need. Uh, yeah. But at the time that we first stepped into it, that was also a time when international adoption was was uh, pretty popular, and it was a little bit um, there was more of it happening across right. the globe. Um, that yeah. that those numbers have kind of dipped uh, over the past decade as uh, things have become a little more difficult. It's become more difficult to do it actually uh, in a lot of ways. But at the time, it was again, it wasn't. Um, we didn't like debate between 25 different countries or, or, you know, all these different options. We really felt from the get go that uh, we had a heart to get to go to China. And that's where we, we really, we really believed our daughter was there. And that was our focus really from the start. Yes. Yeah. And so did you get linked in with places there to go or did you go yeah. and then get linked in with places? So yeah, we we the way it worked basically we found like an agency that would okay. kind of be like our guide through this whole process. So you know you you link up with there's multiple adoption agencies uh, here in the states that you can connect with that uh, that really help help you navigate the process because it's not just like you know um, we were laughing there was a an old sitcom on TV here my wife and I were watching the other day. Uh, and it was like they decided to adopt from China and they literally did the whole process like in two days. Like they made the decision, they got a kid and they went and got, you know, and it's not like that um, at all, obviously. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, you need you need somebody, you need professionals to kind of like yeah. help you navigate the steps to make sure you're, you know, you're crossing all the T's, dotting all the I's, that you're yeah. getting everything in order because you're not just like uh, showing up to, to, to like pick a kid. I mean, it, this, this, this child is becoming a part of your family yeah, and cool. they're becoming, in this case, they were becoming, an, you know, she was going to become an American citizen. So there's a lot of steps you have to go through. Um, and, uh, you know, so you pick that agency and they kind of start you on the process. You, you start filling out paperwork real quick and start, uh, you know, having social workers come to your house to interview you, interview your spouse to just to um, make sure that, uh, your home is appropriate and that you're an appropriate couple or person to, you know, to bring another child in to the house. Wow. And was it an expensive process as well? Gosh. Yeah. I mean, um, people, won't it? yeah, it, it is. And it just depends again uh, on where you go. So, yeah. you know, if you're adopting from different countries or, or it costs different, it costs different, pro- you know, different governments charge different fees for mm-hmm. different, processes and visas and all that kind of thing. Um, 
but obviously that that just depends on if you're pursuing international adoption you know if you're doing a domestic adoption through the foster care system here in the united states it doesn't really cost you anything um mm. other than time and some and things like that but there's no huge fees associated with it or anything like that so it just depends on what avenue you go but but international adoption i mean just travel alone you know i mean from yeah. from virginia from virginia to to china and when we were in china we were there for close to three weeks so mm. you know i mean you you go anywhere for three weeks and get three weeks of hotels and food yeah. and trap and yeah. the travel the travel alone cost uh, cost some money yeah. um but you know we we knew going in like we're not we're not a super wealthy family i mean uh yeah. that's not like we, you know we but we it was one of the things that really helped us the cost uh, of, of the process and, and the hoops that we had to jump through mm. really kind of helped rein us in on terms of that consumerism I was talking about. Like mm -hmm. we still love nice things, but like yeah. we were just, it, it forced us to say, Hey, do we really need to buy this? Or do we really need to do this? I mean, we, I mean, I, uh, we started selling things that we had to raise money to try yeah. to go get our daughter. We became really focused on getting, getting to her. And yeah. um, so it, for a very middle income family in a in an odd way like the the money thing really never it never was a problem for us we never like we never freaked out about it like i mean we knew we had to, we knew we had to be you know aggressive in terms of being you know how we were going to try to raise money or try to yeah. save money um but we were so focused on getting those kids man that um you know i think again i think god just helped kind of he felt he, he met needs you know yeah. like he, he yeah. just met needs along the way um, because yeah. I think we were we were being faithful to what we were called to do. Yeah, absolutely. From a financial sense, three weeks is is a long time, but getting to know a child that you're going to have as your own, yeah, isn't a long time. Do you know no. who, what child you're? Is that process set up to a point where you know exactly the child you're coming away with when you go, or is that, have you yeah. got those three weeks to decide that? Yeah, no. So you, before you, before we ever left, um, okay. and I, I mean, I don't, we haven't got to this point, but we, we have adopted again since then, but before yeah. we ever left for either one of our trips, um, mm -hmm. you know, we, we were matched with a child. And so, uh, your agency is kind of working through that and, and helping trying to, um, find a child that is eligible to be adopted and that can match mm -hmm. with what your needs were. Uh, so before we ever left, uh, you get matched. Uh, so we got, we got, a, got an email, uh, with a picture of my daughter. Mm -hmm. uh, and basically from the, you know, basically saying like, Hey, you know, this, this is little girl and she's eligible to be adopted. And are you guys interested in pursuing her? And so, uh, yeah, so we said yes. And, and that, you know, the problem is that, again, it's not like you don't get matched and then like go get on the plane the next day. Like there's still, they're still waiting. There's still months of like process to go through. So that's tough. Um, yes. but so yeah, before we ever left, we knew, but you're right. I mean, mm. three weeks is not a long time. Um, yeah. To, to, to interact with a little girl. She, you know, our, our, both of our kids that we adopted were almost two years old when we got them. Um, and, uh, you know, you're talking about different culture, different language, you know, um, we, you know, we were very likely some of the only white people they had ever seen in their lives. So, you know, we, wow. we, we look different. We talk, we, yeah. speak, we speak a language they don't speak. Um, yeah. you know, they were, they were really removing them from everything they knew. You know, I mean, yeah. people would say to us like, oh, my gosh, it's so great. Like you're, you're getting the, um, your daughter out of that orphanage. And yeah, I mean, of course, of course, like I, I'm glad to, that she wasn't going to be living in an orphanage anymore. But that was 
that was her home, you know, yeah. like that was, mm-hmm. that was what she knew. And then we go think about like in Bolivia, those kids that we would work with who were living on the streets and stuff. And like, you know, a lot of times it, it was still hard to convince them to come off the street. Right. Because yeah, that, that was what they knew that was their home. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was tough. I mean, it, it was tough on us, tough on her to, 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 you know, three weeks with us. And uh, it wasn't even really three, four weeks. It takes a while once you get there to kind of get to the point where you actually meet, meet mm-hmm. your kid and, and bring them home. Uh-huh. Yeah. But it, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. I want to come back to that actually, the, yeah. the kind of the cultural, but you did it again, Rush. <laughs> you yeah. did it again. You and you yeah. and Jennifer, which is fl- flipping fantastic. You went through it. Uh, you went through it as difficult as it, as it would have, I'm sure there were difficult aspects, especially the process, the forms, everything that, and then not long after that. So did you like immediately start the process again? Run us through, you're at home. Yeah. Run us through that. Yeah. So some of it's a little bit of a blur because I'm getting okay. older and I can't remember yeah. all the specific yeah. timeline, but I can give you like a ballpark idea. So like, yeah, we, yeah. um, we, I, I, I've already said this before, but we didn't know anything about, like, we were just like, we were just so young and naive. And, and um, while we knew that our daughter, you know, it wasn't going to be like a Disney movie, like, you know, we didn't show up and everything was just, you know, perfect and no issues. I don't think we were prepared for just how difficult, um, not, we thought the paperwork and the process was difficult. Yeah. In comparison, that was really the easy part. Cause there was, right. wasn't, you know, now we have a little human being that yes. has gone through some really traumatic experiences and yeah. is, is being taken from two different cultures. So, yes. yeah, I mean, it, it, we, we struggled for a while. So at the time when we came home from China, I don't think my wife or I ever would have thought we would have adopted again. Yeah. Like, I think we just thought that, Hey, you know, we, we did this and we got, we're going to focus on this, this little girl and our family. Mm. And, um, gosh, Stuart, I don't know what, <laughs> what caused us to say like, Hey, let's do this again. But I think a a big part of it was, man, once, once you've seen and have learned about what's going on in the world, it's really hard to ignore it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, when it came to making the decision to adopt again, uh, that same dining room that we were painting, when we talked about, uh, uh, starting this process, my wife and I, and my, at that time, now three kids are sitting out there. And I told my wife, I, I was like, I feel like if we just stop right now, we're going to always wonder why we didn't fill that empty chair. You know, wow. we have, we have an extra, we have an extra seat at this table and we have an extra seat in the van. And if we don't, pursue this, I feel like we're, we're going to constantly look back and, and go, we, we, we could have, we could have expanded our family more. We, we could have filled those seats mm-hmm. and provided a family, uh, to a kid in need. And so, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, I mean, we kind of even look, we laugh, we look back on it now and laugh and be like, oh my gosh, what were we thinking? Like, you know, to start this all over again. Um, but it really wasn't that much of a time difference. I mean, from the time we got my daughter to the time we, we went back to China and got my son, was only a couple of years time. Mm-hmm. Um, now, luckily this time, second go around, we had already been through the process. So we, we yeah. like, we knew a lot of the steps. It was like secondhand. Cool. Our, our um, agency was great to work with and help kind of help us, you know, navigate some things a little more quickly than if we were been the first time around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, it's just, uh, it, it is kind of funny when we, when we look back at it now, but now I, mean, I can't imagine not doing it. You know, I, I mean, we, yeah. we were right. Like I couldn't imagine 
if my son wasn't sitting at that table with me now, um, you know, we, we would have missed out on so much of life. Uh, mm. if we had, if we had just stopped and said, Hey, look, we did our, we did our good deed was we're, we're done. Um, yeah. you know, we, we had an opportunity and we were able to make it happen. So we just felt that, that, uh, it was the right thing to do. And, you know, thank God we did it. That's amazing, mate. That's, abs- that's absolutely fantastic. Um, really encouraging, really challenging, um, to hear that let's talk about the uh and obviously you you lead as as far as you want to go but we're talking cultural differences on arrival what was different um in getting used to life in america um did that look completely different between the two um and it must be it's difficult when there's a troubled background i guess and somebody uh, adopts even from the same country so i can't imagine oh, yeah run us through some of the difficulties that you found with, yeah. with all those factors. So, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, whenever you're uh, crossing cultures and that, that, that can be, you know, internationally from America to China or that, that can be, I mean, you look at uh, just even cultures within your own country. I mean, I mean, it's yeah. just, there's, there's complexities to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the truth of it is like, I, I think when we started out, we weren't quite aware of some of, of just how complex some of that would be. Yeah. Um, the, the truth of it is that like, you know, my, my, two of my kids are, they're, they're fully American, but they're fully Chinese. Uh, yeah. and so, um, uh, it's difficult in some ways to like, I, for me to relate to some of the experiences they've had already in America. I mean, yeah. s- sad to say, even in their little elementary schools yes. comments, um, cool. that have been made. And th- so it, it's, um, they've had to kind of learn to navigate the fact that they're, they, they have some differences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that was difficult and, 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 but we've really tried our best to, uh, honor their, their birthplace, uh, and honor the, 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 um, the aspect aspects of Chinese culture without, mm-hmm. um, without going overboard. Like we haven't turned our house into complete, <laughs> you know, shrines to China, mm-hmm. but we yes. really do. Like we try to celebrate Chinese new year. We try to, we try mm-hmm. to do things to honor that country, yeah. um, because is it, it, despite um, whatever issues that country has and clearly politically government wise, there's a lot of problems there. Mm-hmm. But it's a beautiful people. It's a beautiful country. And um, you know, I, I, we're so thankful for that country because two, two of my kids are, are from there, but yeah. that that's challenging. So the cultural part can be challenging. And the other thing that I really do think we, that we just have learned so much about is just uh, the, the difficulties of, of, if any human being who experiences a traumatic event, traumatic background, traumatic upbringing experiences in life, yeah. um, you know, uh, I think that a lot of people would say things to us like, man, your kids are so lucky now. They've got everything they need. They're, you know, they, they should be great. But you, you don't, you don't um, ever like just, you don't just like snap a finger and that trauma's gone. You know what I mean? Like those experiences that you have gone through as a child, and mm. those things are the things that you didn't get to experience. I mean, just, mm. um, you know, I mean, we, since, since our adoptions, we've also had, my wife had another baby and like when, when she, when our, who he's now almost three, but you know, when, mm. when he was born, I mean, he, he was immediately touched by his mom and dad. Yeah, like he's yeah. immediately uh, enveloped in touch and comforting words and kindness and mm. uh, compassion. And so, that that's not something that you can just say, Hey, well, look now, Hey, lucky you guys. Now you're in America. Uh, There's so much to unpack 
and so much. I mean, to, to, to always be reminded that adoption always comes from a place of loss at mm-hmm. the beginning. And so we're not saviors. You know, we're not going into like save kids' lives and give them a great life. I mean, we obviously want to love these kids and do everything we can to serve them and, and make them a part of our family. Uh, mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, it's super important for us to remember that like brokenness is what caused this. Mm. This initial, what, what has allowed these children into our family comes from a place of brokenness. And that's not something that you can just buy them toys or take them on vacations and fix, right? I mean, mm. that there, there's a long-term process that you've got to be willing to say, like, you know, we're in this with this with these kids for the long haul. And every kid's different, you know? Mm. Um, it, even my two kids uh, have different, they're processing this whole thing differently. Uh, and how, and, and, um, and we, you have to be prepared if you're going to step into this to, to understand there's so much beauty in adoption, so much. It's just a beautiful picture of the gospel, what God's done mm. for us, all that. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Mm. But there's a whole lot of brokenness as well. And you've got to be able to watch those two things become intertwined together and, and see the whole picture because you can really get discouraged by, uh, I mean, you know, my, my kids' stories are their own stories, so I don't go into all the specifics of what each one of them has gone through, but I can yeah. just tell you that for some, you know, it, that there's been some really difficult days and nights and weeks and years of them processing what this means um, as they as they grow. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And you just started to touch on kind of the gospel meaning for us for, from that and the gospel challenge that we have to take forward into our everyday. Um, mm-hmm. Let's look at it first from a from a non-Christian's perspective, because I, I hope and I expect that there'll be non-Christians that are listening to this. Where's, where's their kind of place in this? Why is it important that we engage with this idea of everything that the ministry that you've set up is uh, stands for. Why do you think, why would you advise somebody? It would take the gospel out of it. You know, if someone right. if it doesn't mean anything to them, why should it still be important to them as an individual or a family? Yeah, I think, you know, Stuart that, yeah, I mean, obviously in our experience, you know, our mm-hmm. relationship with God and in the gospel is a huge part of it, but, but really, yeah. man, it's just, it's, it's about humanity. You know, yeah. it's about serving other people. And I, while I think obviously there's a lot of Christian principles in, in serving other humans and mm-hmm. reaching out to those who are vulnerable, taking yeah. care of those that are oppressed, um, yeah. fighting for fighting for justice. Like those things are, you know, they, obviously they're all through the biblical text. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it's also, you know, I think that's that's just a part of us, um, of humanity, of reaching out to our neighbor reaching out mm-hmm. to our fellow man and that neighbor may be right next door. It may be yeah. across, the, across the globe, whatever. I mean, yeah, I don't think this is, um, you know, I, I would never tell someone like, well, you're not a devout Christian, so you should never adopt. You should never, mm-hmm. no, not at all, man. If you've got a heart mm-hmm. for these kids, if you, if you've got uh, the ability to open your own life up to, to some, just uh, to some messy things, but some beautiful things, then yeah, this this is for you. If you've got that ability to do that, then uh, then you should you should go for this. Um, uh, if you've thought through it and have processed it, and uh, I think it's it's something that all of us can do better across the globe, man. About just taking care of each other uh, and, and trying to um, 
trying to think about ways that we can put others before ourselves. Absolutely. And I think there's a certain element of, you know, we we know what a warm a warm house feels like. We know right. what comfort of family looks looks like. I don't think you need to be a Christian at all to, yeah. to know that the foundations in which we even make these decisions come from a place of we had. And right. so uh, having not having that, I can't imagine what that would be like. Um but it, it takes powerful individuals just to come in and change that um, to to be able to open their door and be able to give back, uh, to be able to support and, and give to those people that wouldn't have had that in order to even give bring them to the stage we're at where we can make right. that, that decision. That is something that we totally take for granted, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, so talking about it from a gospel perspective, which... I, I found I find that that previous question difficult because it's like right. everything now is like everything we do. The foundation we live our lives off is because of what God has done for us in sending his son to die on the cross for us and the sacrifice that was made on our behalf. Right. And also that calling that it has for us to go forward and love people um, in our in our day to day now. Um, so there's. There are going to be potentially people that are listening to this that are going to be Christians. They're going to be exploring the idea. Why, from a Christian perspective, theologically, do you think that we have kind of a mandate to be able to? Um, I know we've covered a little bit already in, in what you yeah. mentioned. But do you think there's anything else to add into that? Well, I mean, I just I think you know, I mean, if you've, uh, I mean, Scripture is really clear about yeah. you know what 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 true religion and true faith is, and it's it's. It's serving and reaching uh, those who are in need, you know, you know, and, and, and if you look to Jesus' brother James when he talks about, you know, the, the widow and the orphan um, yeah. as a display of, of true religion. I mean, but there's text all through there and the whole just the whole concept. There's so much uh, of of uh, if you look at the, if you take a step back and just look at the gospel in general yeah. and you look at the parallels between us and vulnerable children and how we just, we're, we're, you know, we're broken, you know, we're, we're without an eternal home, an eternal father. And we live uh, in this, in this world that's difficult and challenging. And this loving God, Mm. this loving father comes down and adopts us and, you know, weaves us into his family. Yeah. Uh, And, we, we certainly, I, I, the only thing that I always try to say is say like, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that, you know, we're becoming Jesus. We're not becoming saviors to these kids. We're, we're trying to imitate what's been done for us. And yes. so everything that we, that we do, it's coming from that place of like, man, we, we're broken. Yeah. We're lost. We're without, we're without family. And yeah. But God has give, God has found us, you know, God, God has mended that brokenness. God mm-hmm. has given us a family. And so if we can just like be a picture of that, if we can just in a small way be a demonstration of that love that God has for us here mm-hmm. on earth and make, you know, make my, if I can make my home just a little bit more like heaven, you know, then that is that's, that's it. That's the goal, you know? Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so it's, it's all about, you know, of, of reminding ourselves that we aren't the savior, that God, he, he's the savior, but like yeah. he's called us into this and you really can't, you can't spend much time in scripture 
<laughs> unless, mm -hmm. unless you really are like hopping around and you're trying to avoid the clear calls that God has placed mm -hmm. on his church yeah. to reach the oppressed, to reach the vulnerable, to reach children, uh, to, to, to fight for justice. I mean, I mean, just the constant cries for righteousness and justice in the, in the Bible, uh, make it really clear that this isn't, you know, what, whether you decide to adopt or not, that there, you know, not everyone is, is supposed to, to go adopt kids based off listening yeah. to this conversation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the, but the call to care and support and find ways to serve vulnerable lost people it's just so crystal clear, you know, yeah. we've all got, we've all have a role to play in that. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. We're hoping really answering some questions that people have. Um, they're listening to this that maybe are along that process. How real is this issue, Rush? You, you mentioned earlier that as you uh, started to delve into it as a subject, as a as a real idea, you realized the pure significance of this and the real issue. How I don't know if I'm looking for statistics when I ask this question. I don't know if, but you, you may have. Um, how real is this issue? Well, you know, the numbers, you know, a lot of it depends. I mean, you can, if you talk about like the, the global orphan crisis and, and the number of kids that were without parents, I mean, there's so many different, you could probably Google it and probably find like a bunch of different numbers because how, yeah. you know, how people define what an orphan is. If it's somebody with, with only one parent or somebody with, with, you know, children with no parents. So you can, the, the one thing I would always say about the numbers side of it is like, you can actually overwhelm people with the statistics because it is a vast problem, right? Like, I mean, it, right. there's a lot of, there's a lot of kids that are in need and it's not just, not just like internationally through international action. I mean, just in our own communities, right? Whether yeah. here or where, you know, where you are, I mean, there's just, there's, there's kids that are in difficult and vulnerable situations. Mm. So what I always, I always tell people to be careful about getting too concerned about okay. the large scope. Okay. Because what I can tell you, and I, I didn't always used to do this. I used to be like a little more aggressive about telling people, do you know right. the number of children that are, you know, yeah. that are orphaned across and what it yes. can be so overwhelming yeah. that people feel like, well, what am I supposed to do? You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. How am I, how am I, how am yeah. I supposed to solve this massive yeah. problem? And so yeah. um, I think breaking it down into saying like, we have really focused here, like in our community here, at our church of like how many kids in our county that I, that my church is in, um, how many kids here are in need of foster parents, yeah. you know, here. And so like, instead of telling people there are X number of millions of children across the globe, we can say, Hey, right now there are 134 kids in our county. Yeah. that are in need of foster families yeah. in need of, of, of temporary housing to like get them through this difficult stage they're in. And so when you tell someone, Hey, there's millions of kids versus 134 kids or whatever the number right, might be right this exact moment. Mm. It's a much more solvable problem or much more, it's easy for people to like on ramp into yeah. it without being overwhelmed. Yeah. But it is, I mean, I, I say that, not to mm. minimize the seriousness of the problem. Mm. I mean, no. I can tell you, I mean, from, from uh, when I was in China, we had the opportunity, I'll just say a little story that kind of just talks about just the scope of it. Uh, when uh, we went to adopt my son back in 2012, mm -hmm. um, we got to go actually go visit the orphanage in which he was living at the time. 
which is okay. that's not you don't always get to do that. We didn't get to do right. that with my daughter, but we got to do that with my son. Right. And um, you know, man, I mean, I don't know how to. There was just uh, it was a it was a, a a mass of humanity in this orphanage, um, mm-hmm. and you know we we uh, they showed us the crib that my son had been living in, and I mean, Stuart, uh, you know, it was just a gigantic room full of full of babies. I mean, full of I mean, not not I say babies. Some of them were older. You know, I mean, it just mm-hmm. and it just uh, it was overwhelming, overwhelming. So like. We at that moment, my wife and I came home from that trip, man, and we were just like, "What is going on? Like, we we got to do something beyond this." Like, I mean, at some point, we do start running out of room at our table, but what else can we do to like raise awareness about how you know this really is a big problem? It's massive. Um, and while we were so thrilled to like, I was holding my son in the middle of this orphanage, and we were taking him home, and he was having a family. Man, it hit us hard. Like, oh my gosh, like, what are we going to do about the rest of these kids? So it it is a massive massive problem you know hurting and vulnerable kids is a big issue across the globe but if you mm-hmm. find in your local community even there's ways you can get engaged or find places to serve kids in your local community it doesn't have to be like you know you start some massive organization um you know you, you can make an impact day to day in kids lives that's fantastic that's awesome i'm trying to think of questions that people may have um the one question that i think may have is how when you've got two kids already, um, you know what I'm about to ask you, don't you? Yeah. I'm sure yep. you, <laughs> how does that then, how does um, a child from a different country fit in, an adopted child fit into a family that's already assembled, both in acceptance yeah. and, and any other uh, things you came up against? Yeah. I mean, I think that's tough, man. I mean, um, it's it's interesting to me because I think like at this point, you know, my, like I said, my, we went and adopted my daughter in 2010 and then went back in 2012 and got my son. So obviously it's, you know, a good bit of time has passed from both those adoptions. Um, but it didn't take long for me to kind of like forget that they were Chinese, <laughs> like, because they were just my kid, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you just kind of like, you get in the routine all that kind of stuff, yeah. but there's certain, I mean, there, yeah, it's, it's still, it's, it's challenging, I think for them and for other people, because they get, at, you, we can't hide the fact when our family goes somewhere, like we get questions, right? Cause like, hold on. Why, why is there like this mixed bag of people, you know, that not everybody looks the same. So like those things can be challenging. Uh, and it can be challenging when you already have like a family that's kind of functioning in a certain way. Right. So, I mean, when, when we brought my daughter home, we had two kids and we had, we had rules and my wife and I foolishly thought that we were like, we had like figured parenting out, you know, like we, we thought we were good to go, man, you know, we'll bring this little girl home and you know, we're, we're, the people who were having problems, they were just not good parents, right? We were great yeah. parents. And we, we <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the case. We learned yeah. real quickly that, you know, every, every kid is different and we, and you have to parent and, and, and figure out ways to integrate them into the family in every way. We've, we've really tried to make our kids, uh, no matter whether they, you know, we were born here or adopted that it, they're, you know, I don't have any of my own kids, you know, if you know what I mean? All my kids are my own. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, yes, like I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I get, you know, and that, that's a very, that's a super common question. Like it's just normal. Yeah. Like, you know, what, yes. and, and I mean, it's a question I, I would have asked a million yeah. times yeah. to other people, but you know, the whole idea is that I am fully their father yeah. and they are fully my kid. Now yeah. I also yeah. honor the fact mm. that um, they, they did and do 
have other family somewhere across the globe, right? Yeah. Um, but but these kids are fully mine and yeah. fully uh, and and fully my own. And so while it's not without its challenges, and I think for, even for them, the complexities of trying to figure out how to fit into a different culture. And because the truth is, man, like, um, trying to think how to say this, and you know, they they are um, they are fully American and fully Chinese. Mm-hmm. but really they it's easy for them to feel like they're neither yeah yeah because if they were to go back to china today they would they, they wouldn't, be like, be, wouldn't belong they there wouldn't either. Fit, right yeah yeah yeah. and yeah. they and they and they when they're here they uh it's still i think a challenge for them like uh no matter how great things are um, yes. they still hear comments they still hear people say things they still have people say disparaging things i mean yeah. i can so it, there's there's this sense of like you know in, you know of, of they're in this case of limbo and that's yeah. a really tough thing to to deal with but you know we've tried to integrate them into the family as much as we can still honoring their culture their past yeah and that's what I would suggest to people is you just try to like you try to find out figure out ways to 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 honor uh, honor their even I mean, honor their birth parents you know to to at, you know it's very easy to demonize people who give their kids up, yeah. you know, and to say like, Oh my gosh, what kind of people would do this? But man, I mean, first off they chose, they chose to, to they chose life. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they're here. Yeah. Um, yes. They made, they made decisions to that. I can't imagine mm. what they were going through. And we see this uh, and I can just speak for just whether it's adoption uh, internationally or even in the foster care system here in, in the States, like just, people are in really difficult, difficult spots, man. And they have to make really hard decisions. And um, it's easy to judge or put yourself in a position of thinking that, you know, you would never do what X person did. Um, so we try to do the best we can to honor those birth families as well. And just, and just be, and, and say, thank you to them. I mean, I'm grateful. I'm so thankful that they, that they chose to have these kids and that we've been given this gift from those families, you know, um, it's, I'm forever grateful to to their birth families. Yeah, that's beautiful, mate. That's beautiful. Yeah. I've got. Um, I know that there's people that will listen to this that are considering adoption. What would you say to those, as we all do, that doubt ourselves and our ability to be good people? Uh, yeah. You know, for those that are parents or thinking about having kids at all, doubt their ability as as parents uh, through the adoption process. How how does that did you go through that and how would, what would you advise to somebody else? Yeah, I think this is true no matter what for parenting in general, brother. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, um, you know, one of the things that I tell people a lot when I have conversations about adoption or foster care or any of these things, work, you know, working with the ministry at our church is um, we are not heroes. Like my wife and I, are, we, we are just totally normal, screwed up parents making mistakes mm-hmm yelling at our kids, losing our temper, all those things that we're just normal people. And you, there is, you can almost like freeze yourself out from, from um, having a family, from taking a risk to, to step into adoption or foster care or, or because you're like, I've got to get myself perfect before, yeah. uh, before I can start this next step of life. Or, yeah. and, and we do that. We do that with the, you know, people like I, until I get my life straight, I can't really yeah. worry about, getting into a church or working, yeah. to, you know, build, build a relationship with Jesus. And that's like totally not the way 
it's the opposite. We come, we come mm. broken. And so yeah. I think, you know, there, I, I would always say that anybody who's stepping into parenthood and any, or, or plan, tr- they're going to try to plan to have a family, whether that be um, through, through adoption, through foster care, through, you know, by having biological kids, whatever the case is, clearly you've got to think through it, process it, make sure you're in the right position for you and your, your partner to, to like make that happen. Um, but you, but you just have to trust that God is going to, he's going to give you the grace and the skill sets that you need to navigate that situation. So while you shouldn't rush in, especially I, I do say, I mean, you know, we're talking about trauma and the experiences of, of working with vulnerable kids, man, you've got to be prepared, Like you should, you know, you, you should be prepared for what that it might entail. Yeah. But man, you know, I think you know, we got five kids now. And if you would have told, you know, 22 year old me, I would have five kids. I'd be like, there's no way I could do it. You know, I mean, after we had three kids, I would have been like, there's no way we can do four. And then after four, I was like, there's no way we're doing five. You know, I still say we're not doing six, but, but, um, but I mean, like, you know, just, yeah, you know, you, um, you, you know, there's just the, the way, you know, doors open thing, you know, you develop, you know, different skill sets and time management and, and um, relationships with other people that help you out along the way. So, you know, I think it's not something you should rush into without really giving it thought. If, if you are a person of faith, you know, praying about it, speaking to, you know, counselors and things like that, it's, it's super important. But, uh, but don't be so afraid of taking steps um, that may seem a little risky. Um, if you're educated about, if you, if, you, if you educate yourself, you've prepared yourself, you've had those, convers- those tough conversations with your partner and, and then, um, you know, I, I think, you know, you should be, be willing to take that leap of faith, to take that, that, that risk of like, you know, maybe we can open ourselves up um, to something that maybe we think that we're not fully prepared for. Or, you know, we got to wait till we we got to wait till we pay off our house or pay off our mm-hmm. flat or whatever. You know, we got to pay. We got to we have our cars paid off. We got to have our student loans gone. We got to before we can do anything. Yeah. Um, and you can you can end up going through life, man, and not doing anything. Miss out. Yeah. I mean, I think mm-hmm. about if we had if we had missed out on these kids, man, I. You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure we would have, you know, I, I, I guess our life would have been fine without them. But man, I would have missed so much, so much joy, so, a lot of difficulty and sleepless nights at times, but so much, so much of a gift these kids are, man. Yeah. So, Rush, you've got five kids. You're married. Yes. Happily married. You yeah. are a big member of the church. Um and you also talk about your job, Rush, just for a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't, I, I don't just, um, I don't just raise kids for a living. That's not my job. Uh, so I work. I'm a police detective here uh, in Virginia. So I've been doing that for um, 19 years now. Uh, I've been with the police department. So, so yeah, I have a kind of a unique job. I work night shifts, so I'm. Uh, you know, sleep, sleep a little bit during the day when I can. And uh, when there's not, when there's not a lot of noise, which isn't that often. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's what I, that's what I do for a living. And then, um, you know, in the, in the, the rest of the time I'm, I'm raising babies or uh, trying to, to get other people to do it. <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's absolutely amazing to think you've got five yeah. kids. You, you do an important and amazing job as well, which we could have had a podcast on. We probably yeah. would. Uh, and we'll probably invite you back to talk yeah. about that if that's okay with you. Um, because that's a topic in itself, isn't it? Policing in yeah. the state. Yes. 
Um, yes, yeah. But but I mean, we've managed to do just over an hour. But all of this has has you know, I said a, a big part of your church. You've managed to set up then off the back of this and seeing all of this intertwined family. Right. Yeah. Talk about yeah. that. Tell us about that. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that that really came from um, after our second adoption. Uh, when I told you, you know, we 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 left that we left China and we just came back with this sense of like, oh my gosh, we've got to do something, right? Like we got, yeah. what, how can we get people to listen to what to this? Yeah. Like this, we just felt this burning desire of like just screaming about it to everybody. Like, look, church, yeah. we, we got to do stuff. Yeah. And um, so this was really birthed out of a, out of after we came home. Uh, I was in church and we were singing a worship song of some sort, and it it was yeah. referencing uh, orphans and. And I just, man, I was like, we got to stop singing about this. We, we got to start doing something. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I mean, it was like one of those moments where I just, I just felt so convicted of like, I don't want to hear another song about adoption or orphans or anything like that in this church until we start doing st stuff. And again, it wasn't like the church was against it. It just wasn't, we weren't, we didn't talk about it. Yes, and yeah. uh, so I, I, I reached out to our senior pastor um, who I've known forever. And mm. uh, that's kind of start, that those conversations started. And then we eventually got to this point where we have this, this ministry called intertwined family. And it really is about the idea of the brokenness and the beauty of these children's experiences in their lives and watching those become intertwined. Yeah. into our family and into our church. And when we do that, when we honor the brokenness and, 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 and the beauty of it, mm. and we watch those things get intertwined and God gets the glory and yeah. he's glorified by what we're able to do. And so that, that ministry um, is really all about education and trying to get the church to be aware and, and not just, we work, we work with our local government. We do all we do. It's not, so it's not just working in the church environment. Uh, yeah. But it's trying to educate people about the need and what ways they can step into it. Um, yeah. It's about supporting families that are in this space who are fostering or adopting. And then also just about advocating for kids. I mean, there's, 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 it's not just like becoming a foster parent or an adoptive parent that we can work with kids and serve kids. I mean, some kids aren't eligible to be adopted or, or to, to enter into foster care. You know, we work with older kids that are, yeah. have aged out. I mean, so there's just so many ways that we can get involved. And so we just wanted to have a place where people in our church or even in our community out, you know, they, even if they don't go to our church, like could have a place to come to like have resources to connect with people, to, to maybe get training, to yeah. come for support, uh, yeah. just to make it, trying to make it so like talking about adoption, talking about foster care, is not something that's foreign uh, in our church. Yeah. You know, we want that. We want it to be something that people aren't like, kind of like, we know, we know there's adoptive kids. We know that we know some, mm. we want it to be just this, Hey man, this is just, this is just what we do. We, yeah. we are following God's mandate here to, to serve others and to work with vulnerable people. And, uh, we want it to be normal. And I think that's been what, I think that's really the biggest success of this ministry. If you were to ask what's the biggest thing we've been able to do, it's to make, the general church population that we that we were that we were with every Sunday to just yeah. be like, oh, it's not it's not a taboo topic. Like we we can just yeah. we can just talk about foster care. We can talk about adoption openly. Yeah. We can ask questions and and not be afraid that we're gonna be we're gonna say something offensive and be shut down. You know, like we we can have com yeah. real conversations. And yeah. I think that's really been the biggest benefit of what we've done. And so uh, you know I mean um it, it's still 
I still claim that it's kind of in its infancy stages of like trying to figure out, like we're still learning how to navigate yeah. this and, and how to better serve families and kids. Uh, but we just want to be a resource for, for people in, in Richmond, Virginia, and, uh, and find ways that we can serve uh, these kids that are they're even right, right here in our own neighborhoods, man. It's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. You, you touched on something at the start of that, which, you know, you said it wasn't as if the church were, were like ignorant of this going mm-hmm. on, but, but it just needed you. And like, I like to just take that opportunity to anybody listening and, and you'll, I'm sure you'll, you'll back me up here is that actually the church isn't about leaders that step up and tell us what we're going to do. It's about mm. b- being responsive to the call that we feel like we've heard Rush talk about today, this idea of actually as a couple, they were both individually spoken to that they both came together and as a result have been obedient to the call that they feel that God's put on their heart. And so as a result, they've gone to their, their, the, the pastor of their church and, and, and be able to set something up, which means that that process can multiply, you know, that the, yeah. the actually more people can get involved in this at whatever stage they're at and be able to do something about it. I think we can be so easy to just look at churches and say, well, they're not doing enough when really, yeah. uh, you know, the church should be challenging. The church isn't just the building with a person yeah. on the stage. It's about its members and, and it's about them engaging with what God's speaking directly into their heart and changing something about yeah. that. Did you did you feel like I mean you've obviously been a huge part of the church for for a long time. Did you feel like that was an easy process? Did they just say you take the reins, or how did they how did they lead that? Yeah, I mean, I, so it was a. I, I think it's always your your point is so dead on because churches. Uh, I don't care how small they are, how big they are, they mm. just get inundated with people telling them you need to do X, you know, be like, we, you should have a ministry for A, B, C, D, and go right down the list, have a million things. And, but then just walk away, right? You know what I mean? Like you should be doing that church pastor. Uh, and so uh, I think while there was still like some kind of some hoops and some challenges, it took a while to kind of get some momentum going. Yeah. Um, I think they were very, very happy that it wasn't like uh you know, I didn't go to them and say, Hey, I need you to run this ministry. I said, look, I'll I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do it. I just need like the blessing and the support. Um, And so we're at a point now where uh, we've made a lot of progress in that regard. I mean, you know, know, whenever you're starting something new um, and especially at a church that it's been around for a little while, I mean, there's, there's, it takes a little while to kind of get those processes rolling and become more recognized and things like that. But, you know, we're at a point now where, you know, we've got, uh, you know, full support from the pastors and, uh, you know, I mean, I've got a, I've got a, a, a very well-known uh, guest speaker from the United States that's coming to our church to preach in November. So like they, they, they've been very open to giving us a lot of freedom and a lot of ability to, to spread this message. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, but the key is, man, even, even if you're in a place, you know, if you're in a church and you're, and you wanted to start something or do something, even if, you don't get great support at first from pastors or staff or whatever, because they're just so overwhelmed or, you know, that doesn't mean you can't do the work, right? I mean, you can still, you can still get out there and still do stuff and still find ways to, to work with kids and serve kids, even without, you know, an officially blessed, you know, entity that you've created in your own church, you know, be patient with that because, I mean, I, I know that at first when I started, man, I was just like, I was so fired up. I'm like, what, what is taking so long? How come people aren't coming along on this? You know, why do I have to, you know, why can't I just do X, Y, and Z? Um, 
but you know, I, I, I think, you know, God was really just teaching me some patience there. Like, man, look, you better, you know, you're not in control of this. We're going it, to, it's going to happen. And, uh, you know, it, just be aware that like, you know, you, you, if you step up and the point that you made is so dead on, man, is that we can't just sit and wait or demand for staff and leadership to just do all the things, right? I mean, uh, if this is, if you have a call for anything, you know, uh, let's, you know, step up and, and you know, and act and take action. Um, you know, actions are, are so much more valuable than our words. And so we get easy to, it's easy to, you know, make a post on social media about how outraged you are about an issue. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a whole different ball game to step up and say, Hey, look, look what am I going to do about this issue? Uh, so yeah, man, don't, don't be afraid to, 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 take take those steps to take action even if it's even if you don't get the support that you feel like you should or that you're that you want wow that's fantastic what a place i think that's a suitable place to to bring this into land rush thank you so much for sharing this uh you've really touched my heart i hope you've touched the hearts of and i'm sure you know i'm not even i'm not even sure i know i know you will have touched the hearts of those people that will get chance to to listen to this it's a fantastic blessing and it's such an eye-opener because you know my wife and i uh, nanny and i we watched um the film on netflix at the moment uh instant family have you watched it rush yeah 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 yep yes i have yeah it's good it's really old i mean i watched it a couple of months ago uh, but uh, no it's, it's a I mean, maybe a couple of years a couple of years but it's a great right. it's a great film it, it does a it does a good job of uh yes. touching on some real issues Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. But, but we, we rely on those things where it's like, yeah, coming into our home and, and me binging on Netflix to get our eyes right. open to what's around. And you are right. We need to be open to the, having that those sorts of conversations and, and plugging into a podcast and just listening, listening in yeah. and, and broadening our horizons. Um, and I think you've done a great job of doing that. Thank you for for talking about what you, you've spoken about so clearly today. You've really blessed. Oh, yeah. this. And you're actually our first our first uh, podcast guest. So wow. I don't think wow. you've done you've done really well. I say like that. Just I hope that just backs up for you how important it was for me to go right. Who lives like that? Who lives as an example yeah. of their faith on a day to day basis? I know somebody wow. for the job. Um, so wow, I'm really, really, man, that, that I, I love mm-hmm. it, man. I love what you're doing here. And I think it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, again, that uh, means the world to me, brother. I, I, I told you before, I don't, I'll tell the whole podcast world here, man. I mean, you're a special guy and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that connection that we made over there in Bolivia, I mean, who would have thought this, you know, <laughs> this police officer from the States and this, yeah. this, this guy from across the pond would like make this connection, but you're, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's a, I, I love knowing you and, uh, you know, I wish we were a little bit closer, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. but, uh, yeah, it's a little bit of a challenge to grab a cup of coffee or tea, I guess, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I love what you're doing and I'm very honored to, to have been able to, uh, to be on here with you. And I'm always, uh, happy to do anything for you, your, your family and, uh, happy to come back whenever, man absolutely bless you mate well well as you're the first guest you actually hold the baton uh that's gonna we're gonna hurry <laughs> forward um what we're gonna do on this podcast when we have a guest is ask them if there's someone in their life that has inspired them or is a good example of someone they think would be what story would be able to inspire people or be able to change the life of, of one person or whoever's watching at the time so rush i'd like to just ask you is there somebody that you feel is a good that really encapsulates what we're trying to do here on the pod 
Yeah, I just, you know, I, it's kind of hard to think. There's so many different people in my life that I could probably try to to, to throw out there. But somebody, um, a couple that I, I haven't known that long, really. Um, but I've got, I've got to know them through working in this space. Uh, there's a couple here in Richmond um, that started an organization called For Richmond, F-O-R Richmond. Uh, and uh, it's uh, Matt and Anna Shank. And they, they uh, this organization is all about trying to um, equip church leaders, whether they're pastors or lay leaders, um, to collaborate together across denominational lines. So it's not like, hey, we're trying to get, you know, the, you know, this, the Anglican church to do this, the Catholics to do this. It's, not, it's none of that. It's, it's coming across denominational lines to um, find ways to unite as churches to um, to attack and, and tackle issues that are that are bigger than one church can handle. So whether that be you know education in the school yeah. systems here in Richmond, um, they the reason I got to know them is they were working in the foster care system with us, like partnering with organizations, uh, you know, work, working with poverty with with you know um, food insecurity. Yeah. So it's a it's a really cool organization because they aren't like they're not really just like hey we're going to do this. They're like let's get the body of believers from all denominations yeah. together and let's, and let's change this city and, uh, make, uh, you know, make in Richmond, you know, make, make Richmond a little bit more of like what our goal is, uh, for, for the rest of the globe. And so Brilliant. it's a pretty cool organization Brilliant. Great and great people, great people. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I'll have to reach out to them and yeah. see if we can get them on at some stage. That would be brilliant to, to cross those boundaries because they are, we are in, we can easily be in boxes, can't we? In our own, yeah. you know, uh, space and, and not crossing and very limited. Yeah. In crossing over. So I'll reach out to them and see if that's something we can sort out. That would be, great. that'd be brilliant. Rush. Well, look, let me just thank you again. Fantastic to have you on. Fantastic just to have an opportunity to reconnect with you. And, um, and I hope to be able to, to speak to you again soon, my friend. Yeah, man. I, I look forward to seeing you again in person soon. And uh, <laughs> soon. yeah, when, when, yeah, I hope, I hope. But yeah, love what you're doing here, brother. You guys take care. Thank you, mate. Thank you. That's very good of you. Bless you, right. mate. Yeah, guys, if you liked what you saw today, if you'd like to just um, subscribe on all platforms um, that are available to do that, the five-star rating mark is on most uh, podcast platforms. That really helps us get the podcast out to other people um, and also just subscribing on YouTube and, and all the platforms that you've you've seen. So thank you so much to Rush. He was fantastic. And I hope you've been really touched by his message today bless you guys take care bye bye